welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. So, our artisan series, um, you know, we, we've spoken a lot about how God anointed artisans to build uh, and to make his sanctuary beautiful. He actually anointed gifted men to be able to do the job. And when you hear about how stunning the temple was, you just realize how gifted and how anointed they were to do whatever was commanded for them to do. They would cut the gems, they would uh, lay the gold. And, and I was just reading again about Solomon's temple and how incredible that this temple was. I mean, so extravagant. If it was in today's society, you would be embarrassed at how extravagant it was. I mean, I worked out once that the amount of gold that they laid uh, through the temple was like almost like, I think it, I couldn't find my notes because it was on my old iPad and it locked me out. I was really annoyed. So, um, that it was, a, it was around about like six Fiesta, Ford Fiesta, uh, like if you imagine six Ford Fiestas, that's the tonnage of gold that was in the temple. Solomon's temple. I mean, we're talking lavish. We're talking gems. We're talking the most significant and costly building that has ever been built on the planet. I did work out at one time, and I can't remember how it, 10 million or, uh, no, I can't remember how much it was, but we worked out how much roughly it would have cost in present day money due to the, what, how much gold is at this present time. And so we're talking the most incredible, uh, Habitat for his presence, the most incredible place that God wanted his presence to reside. And, you know, you look at the artistry and you look at the elegance and you look at the value and look at the beauty. You just think how incredible that that's what God wanted. That's what God designed. That was his architectural preference for where his presence would reside. And now we understand that God doesn't want a temple like that any longer. He wants you. And so... I I want to say to you today, if you've ever questioned your value, if you've ever questioned how he feels about you, you need to understand that you are greater than whatever could have come before in in any tabernacle, in any temple that had gone before. Because he said, I don't want to do this. In fact, when Solomon was dedicating the temple, he said, behold, the heavens and the heaven of the heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built. And then the God of creation turns around and he says, you know what, I've got such a better idea. The God of creation that stood and said, let there be light. The greatest artisan there has ever been and ever will. The one who said, I want the animals, I want the dry land, I want the seas and created them all uh, for his glory and created creation. He's the same artisan that said, I want to make man in my own image. And not only do I want to make man in my own image, I want to reside inside of him. I want him to be the temple of my Holy Spirit. So don't question whether you're good enough this morning. Don't question whether you are of of value. Don't question, uh, am I beautiful enough? Am I... Stop putting yourself down because if, if God Most High, the God of creation, can do such a redemptive work in you and then say to you, I want to reside in you. 
the heavens and the heavens of the heavens couldn't contain him, but he says, I want to put the fullness of myself in you. The fullness of him in you. Heavens could not contain him, but he says, I'm not holding anything back when I put my spirit inside of you. And so we have Jesus Christ. We have God, the just creator of the whole world. And he says, I want to reside in you. He's the greatest artisan of creation. He's the greatest artisan of you. He knew what he was doing right from the start. And he's the greatest artisan of lives. As Pastor Kevin said a couple of weeks ago, fruitfulness comes out of beauty. When I first heard that, I thought, what are you talking about? are you talking about? But it makes so much sense. And I've been dwelling on it ever since. That you know what? You were in sin. You were far away from God. But by his artisan, by his love, by his redemptive work, by his creativity, as Andy said today, he removed the old out of your life when you gave your life to Jesus. And he says, now I'm going to bring forth my new creation. I mean, that the work involved in that, the, the, the heart of God to turn something that was he should have turned his back on but never did and made it so beautiful. And then beauty, uh, out of that comes the fruitfulness. So here you've got yourself sitting in your chair and God is saying you're worthy enough. doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made, you're worthy enough. I believe in you so much so that I'm going to allow my spirit to be carried in you. Hello. Stop wiring yourself to your failure. Stop wiring yourself to your doubt. Stop wiring yourself to your unbelief and saying that I'm not good enough. I could do this, but. No, I want you to wire yourself to the fact that you are a new creation, that the greatest artisan's hand has been upon your life to produce something beautiful. And out of that beauty will come the fruitfulness that we're all looking for in our lives. So he is the greatest artisan of life. If you think the miracle of your testimony, where would you be now if you hadn't found the love of Jesus Christ? Some of us actually wouldn't even be here. We wouldn't still be on this planet if we hadn't found the hope and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. You are that new creation. You are carrying that glory. So here we have the greatest artisan of life, who we worship, who we serve. Then he turns around and he says this to us. Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So here we have the greatest artisan of life saying to you and me, you now are the artisans of lives. To me, that was a big flip in my brain. I don't know whether it was to you, but it's like he's given us, he's entrusting us with people's lives. He's entrusting us to make disciples. He's entrusting us to enable and empower other people's lives. He's trusting us to carry his glory, his love, and his power. He's entrusting us because he believes in us so much so that he knows that you can change the world around you. So he says, I've done it. 
and I'm doing it through you, but you now go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that was on Jesus when he read this out in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Same spirit is upon you. Carriers of his glory, carriers of his love, carriers of his grace. And now he says, I am the greatest artisan of life and I'm now going to empower you to be artisans of other people's lives. You're going to preach and people are going to find Jesus Christ. You're going to share, you're going to lead, you're going to take a person one step closer to Jesus. You can bind the brokenhearted. You are artisans of life. And I don't think we realize how much we are artisans of other people's lives. When I think about how many people since before I knew Jesus right through into present day, when I think about how many people have helped shape my faith, grow my faith, have given wisdom, have counseled, have shown love, have done one act that has changed and grown my faith and taken me one step closer to Jesus. It's hundreds of people. And you could well be sitting next to someone this morning who you help grow their faith. You are surrounded. Just think about how many people in your life have got you. Yes, of course, God is working through them. But how many people has God brought round your life, maybe even just for a season or literally to walk with you right through to the very end? But God is causing people to interact into people's lives. It's the genius of God that we would go forth and make disciples. It's the genius of God that our lives would influence somebody else's lives. It's the genius of God of making you who you are. Because when you are who you are and you carry the Spirit, you carry something very special indeed. And so I want you to understand and I want you to acknowledge that whether you like it or not, you are an artisan of other people's lives. And we may well have known that in brokenness. We may well have known that in our families, in our teachers, in the things that have been said and the things that have been done, and you know how much that created what it created in your life. But I want you to know when the power of God is here, when the love of Jesus is here, and when you are carrying his glory, you are carrying something so, much, so powerful that will turn the brokenness into wholeness. And so I'm going to actually lead you through uh, and draw something from some scripture here. Not that I haven't done already. (laughs) But I was just thinking, I was just asking God. And when I mean wrestle over this message, man, I've wrestled over this message. Because how do I bring it home to you? How do I show you how easy it is to take a 
person one step closer. See, if we all take, we all lead one person one step closer to Jesus, we have become an artisan of life. But as Kevin said a couple of weeks ago, you could be the one who is the last person in a very long chain of steps. Or you could be the one right at the beginning. But know that you have been brought into other people's lives and to each other's lives to help grow each other's faith and to help be an artisan in that. So I was asking God, I said, I don't even know where to start. And I was in, it was in the night and I was just talking to God. Because I don't know why, but he just speaks in the night. Don't you just wish he would speak like middle of the day or something like that? And he does, right? But there's something about the night time when everything else is silenced that his voice just comes so clear. And I say, God, what, where, what do you, who and what and where do you want me to draw from? And he just literally, in a moment, said, Samuel. And then he showed me a picture, because that's how he talks to me. He showed me a picture of Samuel lying next to a lamp. And I thought, okay, <laughs> let's go there then. Because Samuel on its own would not have been enough. <laughs> Very large book, <laughs> books. <laughs> and this, this is what he showed me. So I want you to come to um, First Samuel with me. Are you okay? Now I really can't see you when I look up. Excuse me. And we're going to draw something quite powerful from this scripture. 1 Samuel 3, right through from 1 to 20. So get it out on your phone, get it out in your Bible, or look at the screens, and here we go. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. It's like me. <laughs> and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark was. And while Samuel was lying down. So that's what I'd seen. So I knew I got the right chapter. The right verse. Okay. Uh, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in the place. Uh, uh, in the place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as other times. Samuel, 
Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel, at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning the house from the beginning to the end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, Here I am. And he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me, of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel said, <coughs> Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. So here we have Samuel, and he's a miracle baby. I mean, his mom had cried out she couldn't have children, and she was crying out, and God granted her petition. And so Samuel, right from the beginning, is a, a miracle baby. There's a call of God upon his life. And she says, if you give me this baby, I'm going to dedicate this baby to the house of God. And so he's dedicated to the house of God. Uh, he ministers to the Lord daily. And yet, he did not know the Lord. He's been from an early age in the house of God, in the temple. And yet, he did not know the Lord and if it had not been for Eli Samuel would never have known the voice of the Lord and so here is Samuel he's obviously got a call of God upon his life he's obviously been set apart for something so incredible there's been no revelation in the nations there's been no word that is spoken and God wants to use this child that has come into the house of God to bring a message to Eli. And so here, there is Samuel lying down. He doesn't recognize the voice of God. Three times God called him and he did not know him. And if it had not been for Eli saying to him, this is the voice of God speaking to you, say to him, I am listening. This is the most pivotal point in Samuel's life. If he had not had this moment, he would not have known the voice of God. He would not have known, uh, known God himself because he'd been in the house. Friend, you can be in the house of God and you can still not know him because you haven't heard his voice. And to be artisans of uh, of other people's lives we need to perceive that they need to know the voice of God and so here is Eli and I find it so incredible uh, Eli just doesn't get enough cred really because actually there's a lot going on in Eli's life his household is in chaos. His sons are an absolute embarrassment to him. They are causing so much havoc. 
And he's already had a warning. Get your house sorted out. Get your sons sorted out. He's already had that warning. And even now, whether it's fear or whether he's just tired of it, he still doesn't address it. And here he is, an old man. His eyes are going blind. He's been serving in the house of Lord. They obviously have a great relationship, Eli and Samuel. And so here he is. And actually, you know, he's watching his son's uh, rebellious and that he's got this joy of Samuel in his life and uh, but here he is and there's, this is what could have happened Samuel could have gone to Eli and Eli say for goodness sake will you just go back to bed I know that if one of my child, children used to come to me in the middle of the night first time I'm gracious second time I'm just a little getting a little bit tetchy that's like, you're playing up. You really need to get back to your bed. Third time, I'm pretty much annoyed by now. And it's like, get back to bed. For goodness sake, just go and sleep. There was something that was happening in Eli. He could have been annoyed. He could have just said, for goodness sake, go back to bed. I'm tired. I'm old. Stop waking me up. But he didn't. He also when he perceived that God was speaking to Eli, and remember there had been no widespread uh, word from God, he could have been utterly jealous at that moment and said, this should be me. I'm going to listen out for God. Do you know we do that generationally? We do that generation, we're threatened by the generation before, and we say, how can they do what we should be doing? And we need to remove all jealousy of watching the younger generation go further than what we've ever done before. We have to remove that out of our thinking, whether we think it actually think it or whether it's residing on the inside. We need to celebrate that God is speaking to generations and generations to come. And they, praise God, are going to overtake us. And so Eli, he could have been annoyed. He could have been jealous. He could have just not nurtured that very thing in him. And, but here he is, and he says, Samuel, go back. And when the Lord speaks, say, here I am. Speak to me. I'm listening. And so I find it absolutely incredible that if it was not Eli, if it wasn't for Eli, this part of Samuel would never have come forth. Samuel's revelation changed his life 360. He was never the same again. He knew who the Lord was. He knew the voice of the Lord, which was the most important thing to him for what God was going to do in his life. He saw his word outlived in front of him. So it confirmed the gift upon his life. He was acknowledged by the nation because the word was outlived in front of them as well. So he automatically was respected for the gift upon his life. This is all because of Eli. He became a prophet to the nations, a judge, and even makes it into Hebrews 11, which is the great faith hall of fame. Everybody wants to be in Hebrews 11. (laughs) And so here he is at this most pivotal point in his life, and it's all about hearing the voice of God. 
And for you, I want to say to you today that if you want to be an artisan of other people's lives, you must hear the voice of God. If we are going to go and make disciples, we must hear the voice of God. I'm going to boil it down just to this very thing. Because so many of us have struggled when what do I know is the voice of God. And God wants to teach us as a people to listen to what he is saying. To hear the voice through the noise of challenges, of pressures, of so many things in our life. But to hear the voice of God, then we can bring that voice into other people's lives. When I think about the artisans in my life, I think about what they have spoken to me that has changed my life forever. Forever. You see, Eli had every opportunity to turn around and to say to Samuel, like, don't speak the word, just keep it to yourself. But he knew that word was going to be for him. He knew it. That's why he said, so, so be to you if you don't tell me everything. Because he knew it was a word to get his household sorted. And so he could at any point have stopped Samuel from bringing forth that worth and say to him, you know what man, just keep it to yourself. God spoke to you, that's good enough, okay? But he humbled himself and he allowed even to almost give his life so that Samuel would rise up the prophet that he became. No greater love has a man to lay down his life for another. And we lay down our life when we listen to the voice of God and help others discern and perceive the voice of God so they may be able to step one step closer to Jesus. All you need to do is get someone one step closer to Jesus. If we all, if we all determine one step closer, and that one step closer is enabling people to hear the voice. Do you know I counseled, not counseled, counseled, a woman for two years. Two years I took her through restoration. I took her through... So many times I met with her in two years. By the end of the two years, I am sad to say, there was no change. Now that was my fault, actually. Because what I didn't nurture in her was for her to hear straight from God. Because you can be hearing something every Sunday. You can be hearing and not hearing. You can be seeing and not seeing. And so what I should have done is said to her, right, let's determine the voice of God in your life. Because I want to tell you that God speaks all the time. But we're not listening. We're not hearing and when sometimes we're hearing we're not understanding but if we can hear the voice of God we can make disciples if we can help others hear the voice of God you see Jesus said they said to Jesus why do you speak in parables you know if you're going to make something plain why would you speak why would you give a parable and he said oh I I speak in parables because you know for they look but they don't really see They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And so I want to 
I want you to think about the words that people have spoken into your life that have changed your life. Whether it be here. The words that God has spoken directly into your life that has changed your life. Because God speaks directly, but God speaks through one another. Go and make disciples. Go and heal the sick. And I want you to think about that and how much power that has had in influencing your life today, growing your faith and helping you change and get one step closer to Jesus. There are people that God has specifically put into your life to do such a thing. Now I want you to think about those that you've spoke, spoke, help them discern the voice of God. You see, that lady, if I'd helped her discern the voice of God, then I believe that she would have been restored by now. If she'd heard the voice of God for herself, she would have had that revelation herself. We lack revelation because we're not listening. And we now need to start listening what the Spirit is saying. We need to start listening to the voice of God. Now, you may never have heard the voice of God before. You might be sitting here today saying, I have no idea what she's talking about because I have never heard his voice before. Hello, I was there. Chaz was there. Jill was there. This is how you grow up in the faith. This is, there's a starting point to everything. And so, I wanted to draw that out, or actually I believe God wanted to draw that out. That if you're going to bring it down to one thing, to be an artisan of someone else's life, is to empower them to hear the voice of God. So there's a few questions while you're sitting there this morning I just want you to ask over yourself. You see, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. You're questioning about, I've never heard the voice of God, but you've been born again. I want you to tell it's the same voice that brought you to him. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, it's the same voice that speaks to you now. Do many people get an audible voice from outside? (laughs) No. (laughs) But he speaks to you on the inside. Now for me, he speaks in pictures. I see pictures, I hear the voice of God, he might speak through the word of God. But for you to grow in your faith, you must hear the voice of God yourself on a daily basis and so for those of you who have heard the voice of God and know the voice of God I want you to ask this question when did you last hear God speak to you for yourself when did you last wake up in the morning and say speak to me I'm listening because In a relationship, we must speak. We must commune with one another. But through our busyness of our lives, 
we often forget to speak to God. But even more, we forget to listen. And so when did you last get fresh revelation from yourself? Not just, not from this, not from, not from worship, not from, but fresh word from God into your life. And as you think about that, and you just, could have been this morning, could have been yesterday, could have been months ago. I want you to press the refresh button on the inside and say, speak to me, I'm listening. I want to hear your voice. Because when you can hear his voice, you can discern the voice of God in others. I believe that God speaks to the saved and the unsaved. The unsaved just don't know how to listen. And I've realized in doing this that even in conversations that I've had with people who do not know Christ, I could have said, I think God is speaking to you. But I ever listen what he's saying. So it's, it's flipped me around. The other question I want you to ask is, when did you last hear God speak to you for someone else? Not just for yourself, but for somebody else. And the, the other question I want to ask if you've not heard God speak to you before, and I want you to ask, ask him to speak to you. And then when you hear what you think you hear is God, now often this is how it goes, God speaks, then our own voice of reason kicks in, and we're like, nah, that wasn't God. <laughs> that was too, that was, that was my imagination. And then doubt and confusion comes in. But if you've never heard the voice of God, this is what I want you to do. I want you to say, speak, I'm listening. And then if you think God has spoken to you, but you're not sure, is to go and ask somebody else, do you think this is God? Because then they can enable you and empower you to discern the voice of God. You will grow in faith if you can hear the voice of God speaking to you. It is the most crucial thing that you can do in your walk of faith is hear him. And then just speak to someone and say, is this, is this, is this what it is? And so those are the questions I want you to ask yourself. If you've never, list, if you've never heard the voice of God, now's time to hear. If you haven't heard, if you've had a dry season, now is the time to get, press the refresh button. But I tell you what, you are all artisans of other people's lives this morning. And if you can bring someone one step closer. You know, the, the greatest kick in my life, I don't get many kicks. Married to Kevin. <laughs> it's one hell of a ride. But one of the greatest things that I've ever felt in my heart is watching someone because you've put your life into them, right? And because you put your life into them, because you help them discern, because of your counsel, because of your love, because of your act of kindness, because of your arm of comfort, they have stepped one step closer to Jesus. That could be like a Samuel moment to someone. That could release them into the gift upon their life that will have such a profound effect upon his church, upon people around them. That could be the very first
first step of a baby Christian that's decided, do you know what? I'm going to give my life to Christ because you've just shared. And I get it. You, it people could be anywhere on their journey in their faith with Jesus Christ and you could have the privilege of getting them just one step closer. I want us to change our mindsets. I want us to be a people who want to grow one another, who want to disciple one another, who trust one another with wisdom and understanding. To just to just support one another and help each other grow and help each other discern the voice of God in their lives when times of confusion and times of doubt and times of hurting you're going to help them hear the voice of God and all of a sudden they're going to see and they're going to know I'm praying for the spirit of revelation to come upon you that as you read the word of God all of a sudden the voice of the spirit speaks into your heart whether it be for yourself or whether it be for somebody else it is the greatest joy to see someone's life just that one step closer to Jesus to see your life affecting somebody else's life at the end of the day friends when we get into heaven We'll know how many steps we enabled people to take. To me, that's all that counts when Paul says everything else is rubbish. But the lives of people around me is everything. I know I'm a pastor. I know I live for other people. But I believe this is the church of the living God. I believe this is the heart of God to grow one another, to see people come into the kingdom of God, to see them fully established, knowing the voice of God for those who haven't heard to hear, for those to hear and to know and to understand. I want you to catch something in your heart this morning. It is the desperate cry of mine. And it is the desperate cry of God that you will be strong in your faith. As Kevin quoted at the end of his message last week, he said not that we will be tossed to and fro. Because when you know the voice of God, the tossing stops. The storm ceases. Because you heard the voice in the storm. Don't strive. You know, we get so worked up, don't we? Because we're going through such calamity sometimes. Such confusion sometimes. We get ourselves such a state that it doesn't matter how much we ask for the voice of God. It's like heavens go silent, right? That's because you need to just be quiet. Stop asking, stop asking, and stop asking, and stop, stop just stressing Go and lay star shapes somewhere and just say, God, speak to me. How many times do people say, God spoke to me on the toilet? You just got to relax. <laughs> relax. God's got this. He's got your family. Parents, one of the most crucial things that you can do is teach your children how to hear the voice of God. Because my sheep hear my voice. It brings so much identity when you can hear the voice of God. So teach them how to hear the voice of God. 
thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.